Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that move, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another week, and we are talking PPOs here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great episode for you here on episode number 183. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where if you're watching this on YouTube, the guy sitting to my left, Travis Manger, one of my best friends in the world, the offensive coordinator down at Morgan State, is going to take us through not RPOs. We've talked about that a lot. He was on the show last summer talking about RPOs and kind of soup to nuts on what the run-pass <laughs> option is, but this week, this week, this year we're going to talk about the pass pass option what is that what does it mean is it the next evolution next iteration of what we're going to see here in the nfl we're seeing it all over high school and college well let's get to that now here in chalk talk let's get down to business it's time for chalk talk All right, well, let's get into it. I'll officially welcome in uh, Travis Manger back to the show. Travis, uh, welcome back, sir. Always great to be home and be back on. That, that's right. So last year, like I said earlier, uh, you sat in this chair and we mm-hmm. talked all about RPOs because that was that was the, the big thing, the big oh, yeah. buzzword uh, coming off the Eagles Super Bowl victory. And now everybody, I feel, has a pretty good understanding of what an RPO is and what it looks like and thought we'd kind of take the next step. And I, I asked sure. you, just to give you guys uh, it's a little inside baseball here, I asked Travis a few weeks ago if, if today would be a day that would work well for him to come in. And I said, look, I want you to talk about whatever you whatever gives you juice. Like you give us a clinic on whatever topic gives you the, the you know the most excitement. So you you kind of racked your brain for mm-hmm. a few days about it, and, and this is the topic that you came up with. Yep. Well, you, you you always know something goes mainstream. You know, Madden's got RPOs now. That's right. We talked about that Madden on the show. 20, yeah. Show. So right. I, I, that was a great podcast. Thank that you. Was awesome, especially the Philly special and all. That's that. right. Um, but yeah, you know, especially with a guy like Kyler Murray going first overall. Um, and quarterbacks, are, it's becoming more of a norm in the NFL for quarterbacks to move the pocket, yep. multiple launch points. Naturally, and this is not something that that is new to any high school coach or college coach, but the, pass, the, the, the idea of a pass-pass option. Everyone knows a run-pass option where there's the ability for the quarterback to hand the football off, throw it, mm-hmm. or pull the ball and attack a, an alley defender and do something with it. You know, everyone's kind of got that. That's a yep. mainstream. Everyone Definitely. talks about that. Radio, television, blogs, every, and you see it everywhere now yeah. in, at every level of football. But um, the pass-pass option is, a, is the idea of, you know, you can throw – some kind of a hitch or quick game with with Mary with a screen or a sprint out and and the quarterback really is making it go and putting the ball in the best case scenario. It, it's it's an interesting concept as you look at the NFL and where it's going. So excited to talk about it today. Well, let me ask you this: What is the biggest difference? What is the 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 com or the the thing the line of delinea- delineation between a regular pass play and then what you would describe as a pass pass option? So obviously a regular pass play, yep. three step. Five step, um, seven step, play action, whether under center, shotgun, okay. pistol, sure. all the vogue terms that we do, the quarterback is going to set up and throw the football. Yep. So whether he's taking three from three under center, three from the gun, three in a hitch, rhythm, all the things you hear, um, the ball's coming out from the pocket. Yep. It's coming out in that in that in that funnel, you know, a gap to a gap. Sure. Um, in in a PPO, it's much. It, it, 
it's much more creative. Mm. It can be the ball can come out quick. It can be a shovel. It can be a sprint out. It can be on the move. It's a movement. It's mm. a movement concept, and it's based on the quarterback's ability to get the ball out and put it out into into a playmaker in space where the quarterback makes it right just like he would in an RPO. Mm. In an, but also he's reading fundamentally different things. In a run-pass option, it's a box count. It's support defenders. It's third, it's second level, first level, second level, third level, as we talked about a year ago. Yeah. In a pass-pass option, you're, you're more reading the coverage and getting the ball out to the right person based on what the coverage dictates. Got it. So this is actually impeccable timing because this morning I was studying um, Alabama's offense, Tua mm. Tagovailoa, uh, obviously the, the reigning Heisman finalist for for Alabama and they actually ran some of those uh, down in the goal line you saw some of those shovels in the national title game yep. against Clemson it didn't work. They were they were stopped, but they're running a three man route concept to the field, and mm-hmm. on the backside they're running uh, a shovel pass, and, exactly. a couple, and he's reading what he's got to the field, yep. but ended up shoveling. Yeah, well, Michael Oxley, he's the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know the exact play you're talking about, but all those concepts, you you can get very creative, yeah. just like we talked about how diverse you can be with RPOs. Any run play, all kinds of quick game concepts, you can marry them together. You can do the same thing with pass pass mm-hmm. options. Uh, they can be two by two. They can be three by one. Yep. Really, what what you're talking about a shovel pass, like a shovel that play in general in question. Really, the O line, and what, this is what's beautiful. Remember last year when R, with RPOs, you're telling the offensive line, "Hey, you're just blocking your your right. zone counts, your power, your gap scheme counts. Make your call, come off the ball, and be physical and violent." It's not a finesse play. Yeah, no. Right. PPOs don't have to be either. Right, yep. So whether you're doing it as a modified sprint out and you're blocking your sprint protection, you're still going to block your sprint protection as physically as you can. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if it's a shovel play, most offenses, when they run shovel plays, it's a power block. Right. The exactly. O-line is coming off the ball, deucing the front side yeah. three, back block, pulling the backside guard for yep. the front side backer. It's just kind of like a power read. Basically, it's a power read where sure. if we were in a zone read system – and that in that power read where the quarterback's reading the end and handing the ball off yep. or pulling it and running the power himself now he's reading that same guy he's either shoveling the ball to the tight end or the running back or he, he can continue on his path to attack an alley defender and then that's where you can get very creative where now you're throwing a bubble it can be a smash concept, a snag concept. So any kind of three man route. All concept these Bill or, Walsh yep. pro style West Coast concepts that mm. you all that you always see, you can throw, and you can still do something on the backside with that single receiver. Yeah, um, you know, one, one of, in, t- in terms of doing a full field PPO, I saw this once um, in the Senior Bowl a couple years ago. Okay, I believe it was Hugh Jackson of all people when he when he was coaching it. They had a two by two on the goal line where. The single, the Z receiver was running a, a, fa- a fade. Okay. The tight end was in a hip running the shovel. And at the snap, they ran like a, a two man snag concept where the tailback run, ran a swing. And then he had your corner and then your hitch yep. up replace route. Sure. It was, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. All six, all five skill guys can touch the football or the quarterback could conceivably run it himself. Right. But that's, but the hallmark of an RPO is the diversity and variety and how, and how you can mix and match things together and create simple concepts. Simple. The quarterback's reading it the same way, but how people are hitting the spots can be very different. But at the end of the day, when you're teaching, a snag is a snag. Yep, that's right. The receivers don't need the receivers don't need to know what is the quarterback doing. Is it drop back? Is he sprinting out? Is it a PPO RPO? They don't care. They're running a snag concept. Yeah. Does the freedom change for them? We talked with Josh Gaddis a couple weeks ago in terms of timing of the route concepts and what the receivers are going to do on an individual basis. 
when you're teaching that, does the, are they as worried about the timing if they don't know, or they, do they still have to kind of be in rhythm it, with the, the quarterback? It all goes back to like teaching at a macro level, yeah. at a 35,000-foot level. No. Mm. When you're trying to teach a young receiver or anybody, they just need to know the concept. Yep. Now, as you get specific down to a 1,000-foot, 500-foot level where you're game planning, like, hey, we're going to run this play on the three-yard line against the New York Giants or whomever you're playing. Yeah. Like, that, yeah, you need to know, hey, how is Carson doing this? How are we blocking this? What, who are the hot? Like, you need to know for hot route purposes, mm. what makes a quarterback hot? Are there protection issues? Or is it an RPO or a PPO? Like, yes. But from a, from a macro level, when you're just learning something, no, you need to know the concept. But as you scale it down to that finite micro level, yeah. yes, you need to know, especially you know if it's a third down call or a red zone call, goal line, backed up, four minute, two minute, whatever specific situation in the game you're in. Sure. So. All right, so let's take it now. And you mentioned earlier, uh, you look at Kyler Murray going number one overall to, to the Arizona Cardinals, obviously a revamped uh, look out there in the desert. You feel like that could be an area where we start to see oh, yeah. a little bit more of that with Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you watch if you watch Oklahoma, any of these traditional college air raid yeah. systems. West Virginia, yes, you know, Oklahoma State. Like, yep. When I was at Maryland, we played West Virginia when Tavon Austin mm. and Geno Smith were all there. And, like, they were killing us with it. Yeah. Because they're running, they're running a swing screen to the back, and then Tavon Austin's running an over-the-ball route. And right. You can either throw the swing, you can throw the... I mean, these are all staples of an air raid. Of course. So none, yeah. of this, none of this is going to be new to anyone... Who studies a college game. High school, college. Yeah, right. You know, this is not going to be new, but, th- but with a guy like Kyler in Arizona and some of the playmakers they've surrounded themselves with, yeah. they're going to find themselves in positions where they're going to use them. They're going to move him around. A guy like Kyler, they're going to want to protect him. And part of what goes into protecting a quarterback is multiple launch points. Mm. So a guy like Carson, we want to keep him healthy, right? right. They're, going to move, they're going to move the pocket and get the ball out quick. If a defense doesn't know where the quarterback's going to be, exactly. it's very, very hard to right. blitz and attack a quarterback sure. and, and hit him and pressure him if you don't know where he's going to be. Uh, like I said, my, my first year at Morgan State, we, we had six offensive linemen and three of them were freshmen, and we yep. weren't very good up front. One of the things we really said was we're going to move the pocket and make sure that we can protect our offensive line as much as our quarterback. It's very, very hard. Defensive coordinators want to know where the quarterback's going to be. That's how they, they want personnel. They want to have a good idea because in game planning and play calling, it's all probability. Sure. So they want to know where the court, they want it nice and neat. Yep. Where is the quarterback going to be? Because that's where I'm going after them. Mm. So if all of a sudden you're bringing out these PPOs and the quarterback has options, you have a, you have a spacing concept to the left and a tunnel screen to the right or vice versa or a, hit, a free access individual cut yeah. to a, a smash concept, that gets very, very difficult because now if the quarterback's taught he sees the tri- he sees that triangle of that flat defender and them sa- and those safeties. Now he sees the pressure. He's just throwing out a hitch, or he has a smash concept. He has concepts that mm. defeat these pressures. So it, it's a it's a very very interesting thing. You saw it if you watch anyone who studied Oklahoma or Texas Tech or any of these systems that, that or West Virginia. They're all doing it. I mean that's why they're dynamic on offense because at the end of the day, the hallmark of these plays of RPOs PPOs it's about getting the ball out in space to your playmakers quickly. Sure. Multiple launch points and, and getting the ball out quick and protecting your O-line, your quarterback. Hey, 
you want to get the ball out in space to a guy like uh, Nelson Aguilar, right? Or any you know, that like that's what you want. You want him in space one on one. Make a support player have to tackle somebody. I mean, really, what it comes down to is uh, you're trying to keep things simple for your players, mm-hmm. keep things multiple yep. defensively, so they're, you're keeping them off balance. They don't necessarily know what to expect. Like you said, a lot of different launch points, different looks, mm-hmm. different eye candy in the backfield. That kind of changes some things up. For and them. At the end of the day, you're throwing you're throwing concepts. These kids, a lot of these guys playing in the NFL. They were running these concepts in middle school. They're Pop Warner teams. Right. Yep. They're seven on seven teams. They're high school programs. It's just sprint smash. Right. Now you're just adding a component of most places, the backside receiver on a sprint out is just running an over route. Right. He's exactly. not getting yeah, the ball. He's, he's backside a backside dig or something. He's running yeah, a backside sure. dig, an over route, or a post. Yep. Let's activate him. Put him on a, an individual cut. And you know what? Tell the quarterback, hey, if it's there, if they're rolling rotation, rolling coverage, Throw it to him. Yeah. Now you got to. When is he making that read? He's, he's it's, like, a pre, it's, it's a, a pre snap read. Because yeah. what most places when we're talking about this, you're going to catch, you're going to take your punch plan or your rocker step, whatever your quick game footwork is from the gun. Yep. You're either going to catch and throw the hitch right now. If it, if it isn't there, you're going to reverse pivot, drop step, whatever your terminology is. You're working is, to the three side. Yep. And your old line is going to block their normal, you know, re, most, most, it's going to be turn protection, reach protection, whatever they're doing, and however they're handling it, whether you have a tight end there or a tailback. You can run a two-man game front side and keep your tight end and tailback there, mm. or you can release the, t- the tight end, can chip and get out, or the running back can get out, however you want to build your three-man concepts. But these are, these aren't, these, these, these are not crazy concepts. They're flood concepts. Mm. They're smash snags. These are concepts that, that, go, that are everywhere in the NFL and everywhere mm. down. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see if uh, you talk about uh, Kyler Murray in Arizona and you know what they try and do. When you look at the quarterback position for this, uh, you know, for this kind of concept, what are the what are the, ne- the the necessities? I mean, what are the things you definitely need that guy to be able to do? Well, I mean, it goes back to like even in like the recruiting process, we we look for an above average athlete. Yeah. Like if you are an above average athlete or better better perfect. We don't yep. need you to be Kyler Murray. Right, sure. Just a guy like like Tom Brady could do this, right? And anyway, we, everyone saw he just of ran, course, he just yeah. ran like a five, whatever, five one, five That's forty, right. yeah, dude, saw on social media, yep. Like he, he, he's absolutely athletic enough to do these things. These are these are pure movement ideals. Now, yeah, I think the biggest thing is a small small area of quickness, hmm. which is a hallmark of quarterback play. You can be a five three forty, but if you have elite small area quickness, you're sudden, you're twitchy, you're the fast twitch in the pocket. Like I always tell my guys, quarterback, it's all about sudden movements. Hmm. Like you don't step over agile bags. Your feet never really. Ste- your feet don't really come off the ground. Your, fe- your your feet are in the ground. It's all short, sudden, compact, sudden movements at the position. So that's what we're talking about. Long speed is irrelevant. Now Kyler, a guy like Kyler, a guy it brings a, a different kind of dimension. Yeah, yeah, he has elite small area quickness, yeah. but he also has elite speed. Right. If he if Kyler Murray was a if he was a five flat guy with his elite air, with his small area quickness, he'd he would still be elite at this. Right. That's really what you're talking about. You don't have to be you don't have to be six six two fifty. Yep. You don't have to have a rocket arm. You want elite small area quickness and elite mental processing. You got to sure. know it's the same thing with RPOs. Same yeah. conversation. Yep. The quarterback is the point guard of the offense. What's happening with these RPOs and PPOs? The quarterback is becoming the point guard. He's got a, he's got the. Ben Simmons has a primary read, right. secondary read. All right, go to the basket myself and make it happen. Like it's the same premise, a point guard, to quarterback, and that's what it's becoming. Make your read, pre-snap, post-snap, confirm it, make a decision, and go with it. So I'm going to ask you to put your defensive uh, hat on right now. What is it from a defensive standpoint? How does this kind of muck things up for you? 
Same. I mean, it's the same thing. I think defensive coordinators, you have to decide what – defensive coordinators have to decide what they want to take away, what they want to give up. Yep. You know, who is – who's that single receiver? Are, are, are NFL opponents okay with that being Alshon Jeffrey? Are they okay with him catching a five-yard hitch and using his big body and, and being able to use his stiff arm and just bowling through people? Yep. Are, are you okay with Alshon in space? Or are you or you want to roll coverage to him, and you want to make the Eagles throw a, a, a ball out to the field to Deshaun Jackson, sure, or Nelson Aguilar, or Goddard, or Ertz? Like who? Fundamentally, in football, you always think about players, not plays. Like who are you comfortable with the ball getting to in space? Because now, when you 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 know, for me personally, just watching it objectively, I would much rather want. I'd much rather want the ball going to a guy like Alshon, rally and tackle him on a five-yard hitch than throwing a corner out to Deshaun Jackson or Aguilar. Right. But it depends on where your matchup. Of course. What do you want? Yep. At the end of the defense, a lot of times they don't even cover. If Certain coverages, they won't, certain coverages defenses will give you any throw you want within five yards. Mm. So you're always going to route those rally throws. You always hear defense coordinators talk about t- allowing, giving up rally throws and, and not allowing the explosives. It mm. all comes down to matchups and how do you do things. But then offensively, you can scheme things up formationally and personnel-wise to still get the ball exactly where you want. If you're trying to get a deep ball to Alshon, you can still get that if you want. Mm. It all comes up. It's all how you personnel it, how you motion it, uh, formation it. So at the end of the day, I always like the joke that offense wins championships. Our defensive coordinator, Antonio James, gets so <laughs> mad when I say this. Uh, but, I, I mean, to me, I, I'm a firm believer that if you do it right offensively, it doesn't. the defense can do whatever they want. It's an option. There's options. There's yep. always options for whatever they want to do. Yep. They want to go cover zero and bring the house. Well, now you have go ball opportunities. You have hot throw opportunities. Like it's just it, the quarterback's got to be the point guard. If the quarterback is trained up the right way, it, you know, it, it, it's never going to be perfect 100. percent Right. But if the quarterback does it, if he if he's locked in and doing it and, and doing it the way he's coached to do, it's very very hard to defend. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I don't want to couch it a little bit. We don't know if the Eagles are going to be running this a lot. We're just looking at what could be the next iteration. Everybody talks about RPOs. What could be the next step that we'll see kind of prevalent mm-hmm. in the NFL? And with Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Kyler Murray being paired together, that's something that we could see uh, out west. And I, it's only really it's only a matter of time before I think this becomes more of the common nomenclature because it's it's always about next step. Yeah, and I think and I think too. And, you know, my new head coach, Tyrone Wheatley, with extensive NFL experience yeah. and Power 5 coaching experience, he, you know, we, we've, we talk about this too. He's coming from an NFL world, and in, this, in, this, in the NFL world, it's about protecting the quarterback. Yeah. You only really, most NFL teams, what, they dress two, right? That's right. Like yeah. in college, at our, our Division One level, we can have five, we can dress four or five guys if we want. But at the NFL level, you got two, an emergency guy who's usually not active. Not right? active, yeah. So... You you can't really do a lot of these college concepts with the zone reading concepts. Quarterback gets hurt, you have a real problem. Yep. You, and he is the franchise. He that's it. He's the, the quarterback is the franchise. He's got the biggest contract usually. Like he's got to stay protected. But what these RPOs and what these PPOs allow you, like I said, it all goes back to the quarterback has an option. The ball comes out. The ball comes out quick. Yeah. So that in essence, you're you're helping the old line and you're helping the quarterback stay upright. Yep. So. Which has also been, we, we talk about a lot helping the quarterback, but uh, there's also been a lot written over the last few years about how offensive line play has kind of dipped a little bit across the NFL. I think these RPOs you know, and, and the, the PPOs as well kind of help the, the offensive line come along in the NFL uh, at this point in the game. It definitely, it definitely, I can, it definitely at the college level, it definitely helps you with younger offensive linemen. Yep. When you're breaking in freshmen, guys sure. who maybe aren't ready for prime time yet. 
Um, you know, I think I think defensive I think defensive linemen are getting better. They're mm-hmm. getting more twitchy. They're getting freakishly more athletic every year. Mm. Um, you know, I think you know just a lot of the new rules in the NCAA and the NFL with the, the scaled back training camp. You know, all, sure. You, you have no no one does two a days anymore. Right, two a days. No one does two a days anymore. There's mandatory off days. And these are, you know, they are what they are. This is exactly so right. when you yep. have all these new rules, really what they're designed for player safety, which are a good thing. Yes. But what happens is you don't have, you know, in the old, you know, in the old days, you have two a days and your O line could, the run game, the run blocking, yep. you really could get an identity and really come off the rock. And you see, and it, with de- you see it defensively with tackling too. I mean, and everyone tackling, talks about tackling in the NFL. Exactly yeah. what's happening is, and it's, it, you know, this is not a criticism because I think it's phenomenal. Of course. Player safety is no paramount. Question. And I, I think it's a good thing that guys are becoming fresher and feeling better about themselves in December and January. Yeah, uh, you know I think that's a good thing. But I think definitely 100 percent, like tackling, run blocking, mm. just the, the things that require the things that require like having been an O line coach. Like I never ever in my life as an O line coach or as an O line grad assistant felt like I had enough. We never had enough individual right. time. Sure. Like Greg Sudrawa, who is the best offensive line coach in college football, he's at Ohio State now. I GA'd for him at Maryland. He he felt like you just never offensive line play. There's there's so right. many variables to this that it's you never feel like you have enough individual time. And I think that's abs- that's definitely what you're seeing now. Well, we've got a lot more to put, to hit on. I guess, really, is there anything that you want to say that kind of put a ribbon on the whole PPO discussion before uh, we move into the next segment? No, it's just I, 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 could, I could absolutely see this being the next wave. This is already something that high school coaches are doing. Um, college, it's definitely becoming more of a staple. Yep. It's branching out from the air raid systems. Mm. It's branching out from the air raid systems in college, and now it's becoming more, more the pro-style pro offenses are using it. And it, now with Cliff Kingsbury being in the NFL, you're just going to see more of it. Yeah. So I, I don't know whether or not it's going to go mainstream the way RPOs have. I, can't, I don't know. Uh, but I definitely think this is something that, that this concept of a PPO is something you're going to be hearing about more and more in the NFL in the coming years. Well, I hope this was a, a learning experience for the listeners at home. And, and if you have a young Eagles fan uh, in your family who also wants to learn more about the game, I would urge you to co- learn more about the Eagles Football Academy. It offers hands-on coaching and instruction for football players between the ages of 7 and 16. These are one-day clinics, and, and the time's almost up because training camp's right around the corner. The last clinics uh, are coming up here in the coming days. So I would urge you, just go online, philadelphiaeagles.com slash Eagles Academy. Sign your son or daughter up today. Uh, again, a lot of the top area coaches in high school, college, they're in attendance. Eagles players, swoop cheerleaders. Really, really a fun experience. So I would urge you again, PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Eagles Academy. Sign up your child today. Uh, Travis, awesome stuff. And we're going to kind of move into the next segment here. Uh, we've got some some great questions from uh, from people at home. So I thought, you know what, let's, uh, let's just throw these on here because I petitioned for you guys at home to go onto our Apple podcast page or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. So I'm a, I'm a little behind now. We're, we're training camps around the corner. I thought, all right, let's, let's hit Travis uh, with some of these. So uh, first up, Sherm Daddy checked in, gave us a five-star rating and a review saying how much he loved the show. He listens every week. Really appreciate that, Sherm. Thank you. Heads up to you. All right. Next up, SRM Chef left a rating and left this question. 
with the amount of young talent at defensive back on the Eagles and how equal the talent level is, do you see a possible rotation or situational strategy in the same mold as how the defensive line operates? Rather than having a traditional depth chart, have a six or so starting caliber players in various packages. Has that ever been used in the league effectively? So, uh, obviously, look, this is, I've said this numerous times, watching the secondary, and this goes back the last couple of years because they've just continued to add uh, so much young talent, so much competitive, uh, so many competitive players to that room. It's been a lot of fun watching the secondary. So let me ask you this, Travis, and this isn't necessarily not about the Eagles secondary, mm-hmm. but as a coach, if you've got, uh, you know, whether it's a running back room, a receiver room, an offensive line room where all the talent is, you know, on an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. These are all young, competitive guys all getting after it. What is, what is the mindset of a coach when you're going into that kind of situation early, whether it's training camp or the spring? What is the mindset of a coach going into that scenario? Those are the best problems to have. That's a great coach. problem, no question. Because um, I feel like a lot of fans, a lot of media are quick to kind of point to the secondary and say, oh, you know, it's an issue, it's a problem. I, I love watching this Eagles secondary because it's a bunch of young guys that are, like I said, they just get after it. They're competitive. It's a really fun group to watch. Well, more than anything, you want guys that are going to compete. Yeah. Play, you know, five to six seconds. You know, all the, all the, belt, the, the buzzwords about playing through the whistle and sure. all that. Young guys that are competitive, that are hungry, who want to make their mark within the structure. Um, guys, I think at the back end, you know, it's the back end for a reason. That's the most. I mean, I, there's nothing else behind it. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is guys that guys that can compete. And and give great effort within the scheme of the defense, like right. not blowing coverages. Like if you're a cover, th- if you're a deep third defender, not jumping a flat route with a sure. corner route over the top, or just if you're a you know cover two corner, you know you're not you're you know you're not just you're not taking a cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. T- all those things. Um, you know, I think you know it depends. You know, it depends. You got to figure out matchups. What's everyone's best role? Yep. At the end of the day, you're, it always comes back to like on offense. Who are the five best personnel? Sure. Who are the question. five best skill guys? Who, that, on Let's defense, figure out how we're going to do it. Yeah. You know, if you've got, if you have five DBs that are killing it, if that fifth guy is better than your sandbacker, now you go four two. You, you right. got to get your yep. best. It goes, you know, it just goes back to you got to get your best eleven guys yeah. on the field. So the and you know you're going to have sub packages. Mm. Just because you have guys, everyone's going to have a different skill set. Some guys are, are going to be stiffer in the hips than others. Some guys might be better uh, press man. Some guys might be off. Some guys might be more cover two. It all comes down to figuring out what, what, are, their, what are their skill sets and putting them in advantageous positions to succeed. It doesn't matter what position in football. Yeah. You're not going to put, you're not going to put, you're not going to put uh, uh, Tom Brady in a zone read right, exactly. offense. Yep, sure. You know, you know, just like certain certain guys, you're not going to want to put in man coverage because that's just not their skill set. Yeah. So I think it all goes down to identifying, finding their best positions on the field. And I think, you know, in terms of kind of like that question, you're going to, yeah, sure, you're going to find, you might rotate guys, you know, just like on a D-line, like the, the way the Eagles D-line. Some guys are run stop. Some guys are, they have a pass, they have a pass rush package. Yep. Where they might they might slide their defensive ends inside and bring they might have three or four defensive ends who are all who all are pass rush guys. Yeah. They might they, it could be three defensive ends and Fletcher Cox because sure. that, that's the, that could be their green third down package getting after the quarterback maybe and because the pass down. So I base they're going to put guys in their be, some guys are going to be run stoppers some guys are going to be sack sack artists some guys are going to be man coverage guys some guys are going to be zone coverage guys. It all comes down to what. Are, but at the end of the day, if you have eleven guys 
who are playing within the framework of the defense or the offense and playing to the best of their ability and giving great effort. That's all you can ask for as a coach. And I, th- I think, too, because everyone has these different sub-packages, whether it's on the back end, up front, uh, you know, everywhere, you still want that continuity as well. So in terms mm-hmm. of like, all right, hey, we're going to go in and base – you're, you're going to have your rotation. You're going to have player yeah, rotation. Your uh, substitution is going to happen, but you want to have your core guys. Yeah, and I think, too, a lot of guys, you always hear about this in the NFL. Oh, so-and-so is going to, like, uh, Josh Norman is going to be shadowing right, sure. Alshon Jeffrey every snap. Like, you always hear about that. Yep. Like, the, the corner. A lot of times, I think defense, we all aspire in coaching to the point where that you don't even have to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, like, any NFL team, they're probably aspiring where they have a corner. They're... they're Field corner is just as good as their boundary corner, sure. where you don't even do it. You just go left and right, and you don't care who's matched up on who because yep. that's what you want. Yep. So I always la- I always laugh at you. <laughs> All right, well, that was a, a great question there from uh, from Chef. One final uh, comment here, and this was a three layered question. So uh, three different questions here. I uh, really appreciate Carl underscore Taylor also left that five star rating and, le- and left these questions. So we'll kind of bank through these a little bit. What are the advantages and disadvantages of going jumbo, 13 personnel, for goal line and short yardage with a player like a Jordan Mailata? Obviously a very athletic offensive lineman, uh, has some uh, uh, history as a ball handler during his time as a rugby player, and I think Eagles fans have uh, been waiting and pounding the drum for this kind of moment. No idea if the Eagles would eventually be able to do this, but have you ever had a player that was kind of like that, where you had a, a very athletic offensive line and you find different ways to, mm-hmm. to kind of work on the ball? What does that do for you as an offense? Absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, 13 personnel is... 13 great. 13 personnel 13. is incredibly difficult yeah. to stop. Um, you, you've got guys that can run block. They can, they can catch the football. You bring in, when you start talking about bringing in extra O-linemen, in goal and the, lines, Eagles, and the Eagles do this a lot with, yes, with six like, line. I believe yeah. the, the touchdown run in the Super Bowl, Garrett Blunt, Blunt, that was a Sam tackle over or extra. Without question. And if I remember, the, the Patriots were in better defense. What most defenses, when you, go, when you start going 13 personnel or bring on balanced or bring extra offensive linemen in the game, most, you're doing it in situations where you're trying to out-leverage the defense. Mm. Run plays that work against better defense, especially down on the goal line, or in gaps when they're plugging up every gap and they're trying to protect the inside. So out. again, to take it through a bare defense is when you've got those uh, your guard, your two guards in your center all covered up. Yep, you're trying. Basically, the defense is saying you are not running the football a gap inside. A-gap. Yes, yep. like we are protecting the a gaps, the b gaps. But where the defense gets thin is outside zones, pin and pull schemes, man schemes. And that was what the Lagarde touchdown truck, was. Yep. Like like bunch truck schemes where you're pulling people and getting the ball outside. Yep. you're out leveraging the defense now. When you bring in an extra offensive lineman, you're just helping out those numbers and leverage. So if you go six zero line, you, you typically will see that from defenses where yeah. they'll kind of check into kind of a better look. It's hard. It's on and if you go on balance with that, it's hard because now defenses defenses when you bring in extra and when you have these special offensive situations, whether mm. it's empty on balanced. Heavy set with an extra offensive lineman. Most defenses have one check. One check. This is like uh, this is. Uh, I think the Eagles are really good at this with when empty, you, knowing, understanding oh how gosh. a defense is going to check to this when and you, empty. When you figure out, there's nothing more exciting as an offensive staff on the sideline, offensive coordinator, offensive <laughs> staff. When you figure out the check, right? You figure it out. And now it, you attack it. Yep. Now you go right That's after. Right. And the defense and defenses eventually they're going to adjust. But most yeah. people they don't. Imp- this goes back to practice time. You don't have time to have four empty checks or four unbalanced checks or four heavy checks. You got one. You have yeah. one, your go-to defense, and for a lot of people in the NFL in Division One, it's bare. So they're mm-hmm. going to cover. They're going to protect the inside of the defense. But now, 
I mean, if you go on, if you have a sixth offensive lineman and you still have three tight ends on the field, do whatever you want. Right. You can play yeah. action. You can you can cram it in. And you can go power extra inside. You can outside zone pin and pull nakeds movements. Mm. You, I mean, you still have you still have you have great wide you have great receiving threats everywhere. Yeah, sure. I mean, I would imagine. I, I mean, I would I would imagine, and the Eagles have done this. Before, I would imagine they would continue with that. Yeah, and do things that's, like that. To me, that's, that's what, what they do. That's what excites me about uh, this potential twelve personnel package. This I year. would say twelve personnel, and I've heard defensive coordinators say this: twelve personnel, thirteen personnel are some of the hardest personnel groupings in football to fit. Because you're creating extra gaps. So when you have tight ends in line... Especially in today's game, by the way. Yes. I don't want to cut you off where you don't see it that often. Yeah, like so you when, don't practice it often. Like you have, a, you have your A gap, your B gap, your C gap mostly. Yeah. And especially in air raid open systems. Yeah, sure. But now, when you have tight ends, multiple tight ends... You have a five-man surface. A, yeah, yeah. You create a D gap, yep. an E gap. You have 13 personnel. You could have an F gap. I mean, right. you just, you're, you're creating extra gaps that the defense has to account for in the run fits. And now your play actions, your quick game, you can dictate to the defense what you want. And if you're in 12 personnel, if you are in 12 personnel and the defense does not go one high, whether it's cover one, cover three, some iteration, a variation of that, if they don't do that, you theoretically, you should be able to run any run play you want in football for a positive, efficient play. Yeah. Just like now if they close the middle of the field and they go one high, now you have guys like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard running down the middle of the field in the seams, and you still have... Deshaun Jackson on one side, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey on the other. Yeah, you yeah. still have like that's that is the that is the conflict you put defenses in. What do you want to stop? It all comes back to what are you allowing to give up? And especially if you get them into a situation where you know, let's say. You, uh, a lot of teams really didn't necessarily always match up in base to the Eagles' 12 personnel last year, the ones that did uh, paid for it. But if you have a team that will match up in base and say, oh, this is a rundown, they're going to come out in 12 uh, and they're going to run, now you spread everybody out. Teams if in a base, when they go empty, mm-hmm. more often than that, they only have one check. And more often than that, it's going to be cover two. And now you're, you're running your two-beater. Two Tampa yep. or cover six, quarter, quarter, half. Yep. Or maybe they'll go cover one if they don't think they inspire the quarterback. If they like the matchup, yeah, sure. But then you're spread that empty. Yeah, that's a whole nother. That's a whole yeah, so nother. That's, our, that's a whole nother. That's a conversation for another this, this is what excites me about the Eagles offenses. They, yeah. I mean, yeah, 13 personnel, they, they can be very creative. They can motion shift. They can line up in 13, pack it in, and explode to empty, line up in empty and bring it back in. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. And they're, whatever they feel is best for them, they're going to do, and they'll probably be very, very good and at it. And that's why the Eagles brought back Richard Rodgers this offseason, just because if you're going to feature 12, that third tight end becomes very important. The Eagles ran plenty of 13 and then, last and then year as I think well. two is, to your point, defenses, if they want to treat, and this goes back to that, they, they defense could say, all right, when they're in 12, Based on their tendencies, percentages, they might treat Dallas Goddard as a wideout and go yeah, nickel. They right. might go sub package. Now you're running on them. And now you're running them. Yeah, like it, that's it's, right. That's like I always say: offense wins championships. That's right. That's, <laughs> all right. So, uh, second question from Carl. Uh, we actually talked about this a little bit. What are the advantages and disadvantages of sticking with the same set of three corners or changing the starters from week to week based off of matchups? That's not something you typically see, right? Um, that second part of it. We talked about again. We talked about this a little bit a few minutes. So we don't need to yeah, dive too I deep mean, into the I, in terms there. of starting, you know, football. You know your starters are your starters. Yeah, you want your guys. To I do guys. say, you know, I do think there is something to co- the competition. If sure. a, guy, a guy could start the first seven weeks of the season, if he's not on it, if his yeah. if his performance in the games and in practice isn't on it, and you have a practice squad guy or a backup that's killing it, and he earns that right, yeah. But in terms of like starting guys, whole just, hockey line change, or like, so- like soccer, yeah, hockey, sure. or basketball, where yeah. like 
all right, you know, we, we can't play Boban in this playoff against the Raptors, so we can't even play. Like, that doesn't really happen. Right. That's, like, that's not a football thing. You're, you're going to scheme. If, if, if you have a bad matchup with a corner and a wideout, yeah. you're just going to scheme up your defense and say, hey, you're never going to go there, or we're going to make sure. Again, it goes, you're a cover two guy. We're not going to put you in a position to fail. Mm. Like that, that's the worst thing in coaching is when you, put guy, when you don't play to their skill sets and you, push, and, and you put them in positions to fail. But in terms of like a whole hockey line change, right. that's not, not really – yeah. All right, so that last part of it, and this is an interesting one. Could Dallas Goddard's lack of involvement implement, implementation in last year's passing game be similar to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside this year? What were some of the reasons for slow development? Is it Goddard? Is it Doug Peterson? Is it Carson Wentz? Is it the staff? The, so here's how I would look at this. Number one, young players, and this is college, this is NFL, this is everything. When you're new to something and you're moving, you know, there's a lot of factors to a guy coming to a different city, learning something completely different, new offense. Some guys treat it one way, some guys treat it another way, and there's a lot of factors that kind of play into something like that. Not to say that, oh, Dallas Goddard had trouble picking up the scheme, but there are a lot of things that come into play when you're talking about well, a rookie getting playing time and meaningful snaps. Yeah, and every position is different, and yeah. everybody develops differently. Exactly, too. no question. Like Some guys take two or three years. Some guys need to be on the practice squad. I, mean, I just talked to our guy, Josh Miles, who got drafted by Arizona from out of Morgan State, and he's like, it's, it's like, whoa, Baltimore <laughs> to <laughs> right. Arizona – FCS to Division One, and it's 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 kind of it's kind of the or FCS to the NFL. I mean, it's kind of it's it can be a lot on certain people. And tight end, it's, I would imagine in this offense too, the way he's used and what he's asked to do, what he's got to do in the run game. What you tight end is a hard position. Yeah, you have to run block like an offensive lineman, or maybe a fullback in the right. hip or yep. in the backfield. Sure, you have to line up and run routes like a wide receiver. And then you have to get in line in a three point and run routes where you could get pre- you're, you're, where the release moves the 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 pass release the route running release moves you do in the slot or outside as a tight end as a wideout yeah. are completely different from when you're a three point sure. where you're in a phone booth sometimes there could be a nine technique you could have a mugged a safety or a nickel could be in your face uh, uh, mugging you pressing you at the line like there's so many little techniques and variances that mm. go into playing tight end and I I mean. I, I, wide receiver, I, you know, everyone develops differently. But what he was, what what uh, J, JC is it right? JJ, or second JJ. Side. Yep. What JJ was doing at Stanford, like the routes he ran, the route tree that he was running at Stanford, they might be named. The verbiage could be different, right. In Philadelphia, but a dig it's is a, a pro dig. Route a right. corner, yeah, is right. a corner. Sure, like a smash concept. It goes back to the whole PPO deal. Like right. A smash concept is the same thing. Like they you ran it in high school. Yeah, a right. go route. Yep. Now, what what the wide receiver coaches, what what Coach Peterson might want, this verbiage, the certain techniques, this how he wants the routes run could yep. be tweaked. They could certainly be different. But you know what what he's being asked to do from a wide receiver standpoint, I would say wide receivers, wide receivers, running backs. That's how a guy like Saquon Barkley can have yeah. such an impact. Because, hey, you're reading the three technique, press it, jump cut, bounce it. Like, it's, it, that doesn't change that much. The right. footwork of the running back position, ball, secu- ball security is ball security. How you protect the football is how you do it. But what you're asked to do as a tight end is very, 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 very different, yeah. much more diverse. And they're putting a lot on him because they think he can – I would imagine no they question. think – they probably – I would imagine they think he can be a star. Yeah. So his development his development is probably – it was probably naturally delayed just by – the nature of what they asked him to do. 
Yeah. And I would imagine he'll be a breakout. I'd imagine he'll be a star this year. And that's the thing. I think a lot of fans and media alike saw the potential and the talent, and they're saying, oh, well, how come he's not seen it? I mean, there's first of all, there were a lot of mouths to feed in that mm-hmm. offense last year. Zach Gertz, obviously, was extremely productive. Dallas Goddard was on the field plenty. And you, uh, have, and you have to think this, too, as, as a coordinator, as an offensive coordinator, you always think players, not plays. Right, yep. To your point, you know, there's a, food, there's a food chain in terms of the touch, right, touches. Yeah. So I would imagine he's going to climb that. I would imagine he will climb that food chain this year. We shall say that's, I'm I'm really really excited about that. Just that group, the, the, that entire offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, Travis, uh, this has been fun, man. This was a, awesome. a good conversation. Always love being home. It's always good. It's always good. All right. Well, uh, thanks to everybody out there again that left those questions. We've got a lot more to get to. We will do so in the coming weeks. I've got an exciting trip planned for this weekend. We'll have a couple podcasts uh, coming out of that. Uh, we'll see that in the, in the future uh, episodes here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. But thanks again for everybody out there. It's the number one way to support the show. Go on, leave a rating, leave a question. Number one way to uh, help us get better, help spread the word a little bit. Football season's right around the corner. Help your friends learn more about the show, learn more about X's and O's. They don't even need to be an Eagles fan. We obviously talk more uh, about the game as well than most Eagles podcasts. So um, just keep, keep recommending, keep pushing us up the list there over on Apple Podcasts. All right, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Nova Care Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.